Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Guys, I don't know if uh, I'm alone in this, but I'm very, very excited about 2024. Hey, if you don't know, I believe this is the year of movement. And I, I think like, here's the thing. We hear that word so often. We're like, we're, we're going to be a movement or there's a movement. And I'm like, what, a, what is movement? Like, where are we moving to? And I just want to start that conversation today about what it's like to move. And I, I believe there, you're, every person in this room is in a different seat looking for something probably a little bit different in their life particularly. I just want to invite every single one of you into this 21 days of prayer and fasting with us as a church. This is like one of my, my personal most favorite times of the whole year is we seek God in the same way, the same direction, and we produce these for each person here. If you want a paperback, you can get those on your way out today at that connection center in the, in the, in the lobby. And if you're not big on paper, you, there's a QR code for you. You're high tech. You've got a phone. Get the QR code, and you're going to get a free PDF. And so get one of these. Join in today. Some people say it starts tomorrow. I'm starting right now. So today, and then when we go 21 days on that Sunday, we're talking about what does it look like to end this fast together. So you can pray with us on that. We'll see what the Lord has in store for the next three weeks. But uh, guys, today, honestly, I had a bunch of things prepared. And then when I met with Davis... He started telling me his story. And listen, when people tell me their story, like I'm listening, I'm listening. But what I heard behind Davis's story was revelation. Like it wasn't just mental ascent. There was an encounter with the living God. And so when I'm sitting there, I'm like, throw the plan out the window. And in fact, this is the plan. This is part of it. And so sometimes I have an idea of what the move looks like but when in reality, when I hear the voice of God, I'm like, this is the move. And in fact, it all ties together perfectly in the weirdest kind of way. And I wish everybody had the opportunity to prepare and to lead in this kind of context because you'll start seeing the tapestry of God and you'll be like, God is really, really alive and he's really, really big and he's really, really smart. And so some of us who are looking to make a move, my prayer today is that we just encounter the one who makes all the moves. We all want to make a move to start 2024. And in fact, the big question is, what is the move? You know what I mean? What's the move? Because the world's moving, the news is moving, AI's moving, you know? Like, we got to make a move. And if we stay still, we're going to be like Terminator 3, you know? What do we do? I believe today is a time where we're going to make a move as a church. Is Davis in here? Yeah. Davis in here yet? Come on, man. All right, why don't we start by praying? That's a good place to start. Is that okay? It's perfect. Okay, because I need all the help I can get. All right. Jesus, we just pause for a moment, noticing what your spirit is doing in here. 
God, I just pray that whatever part of Davis is in this story and whatever pride is in me, that you just get it out of the way, that, Lord, whatever you're doing here through my story and through our story, God, that it would just be evident and that lives and hearts would be changed today, that your truth would be spoken, and that, God, I pray that just people would encounter you. So if, it, if you can work through me, that would be such an honor for me, Jesus. Just get me out of the way and let me tell my story so others can see what you're doing through me and my family. In your name we pray, amen. All right, I wish I could say that this is going to be an easy story for me to tell, but it's not. It's uncomfortable, and I'm, this is not in my notes, by the way, but I'm an Enneagram 3. Is there any other Enneagram 3s in the house? Okay. I'm pretty sure we don't like to, like, have our image be, like, tarnished or, like, look bad at all. This is going to just throw that out the window, by the way, so, which is good, right? So this is really the story of a God, the redemptive story that God is doing through me and my family. And um, it's not pretty, but it's, but it's true. So basically, since as far back as I can remember, I have been somebody that has consistently avoided hard things, um, done things selfishly, and then hidden from what I'm doing from everybody. Um, my wife and I have been married for eight years next week, and we've got two beautiful girls, um, and we've been together since we were like 12. Legitimately, we, we liked each other in middle school. I had to get her to like me before she realized there was anybody else out there, so she didn't wise up. Um, but through our marriage, I've done, I've done a lot of selfish things, and until about 19 days ago, I've never been 100% honest in our relationship, and it's, it's caused a lot of issues. Um, I think back to when I was around 16 or 17, and I tried, like, chewing tobacco, dipping for the first time. At the time, we were dating, and it, I got a weird feeling from it that I remember thinking, like, everybody has their thing. Some people drink coffee, like, that's what they do, and everybody has their thing, and I wanted something, I wanted something, like a thing that I could have. That would always be there for me. And I, in a weird way, like, dipping was a way that I, I didn't feel alone. I remember, like, in a weird way, I was playing at an all-star high school football game, and I had to travel to Cookville by myself, and at the time, I'd never been... Um, away from my parents, like, for an extended amount of time. And I remember thinking, like, oh, I'm pretty nervous about going and doing this. Like, I'm going to be alone, and it's going to be, you know, frightening. And then I remember having the thought, like, no, you're not going to be alone. Like, you, like, I'll be with you, is what this, like, escape was saying to me. And so it was something that I was avoiding these hard feelings and stressful feelings. I was escaping and being selfish in what I was doing, and I wasn't, I was hiding it from everybody. In the grand scheme of things, is, is chewing tobacco the worst thing in the world? No. But it was for me because of two main reasons. I was, like, the, the place that Jesus wanted to occupy in my heart of going to him when I want to feel relaxed or if I'm stressed, like, that's what he wanted me to go to him, and I was going to something else. Um, and so it was really something that was hiding as well, and it became a foothold in my life. 
So it was something I've basically hidden from, from her for a very, very long time. And um, I switched to something called Zen, which is like nicotine pouches, which you can hide a lot easier. Same type thing, hiding it from, from everybody, and it was a lot easier to do. Um, if we fast forward to the middle of 2020, I started my own business. Um, before I was working at a, at a corporation in finance, I started my own business in the middle of COVID. Um, and things went, things went pretty good, but it got pretty stressful pretty quickly. And later, I feel like the Lord gave me this vision of, um, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I feel like the Lord gave me this vision of my, um, my character as like a wooden ship that up until starting my business had been in, in a harbor that was just safe and protected from the wind and the waves. But whenever I started my business, this little boat got like pushed out into stormy seas and got exposed for the weaknesses in, in the character. Um, and that exposed itself through back in March of 2022. Um, so I've been having my business for a few years. And I got my own office by myself, and I was primarily by myself. And I remember I had just closed a deal. I'm in commercial real estate, so I closed a deal, and a broker had sent me a bottle of tequila that had the property name on it, and I set it up on the shelf as like kind of a, hey, this is pretty cool sort of thing. And I don't know why, but I had the thought of Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. Remember him? Yeah. He... He, for some reason, it popped into my mind, like he always loved to close the day of business with just a nice little cocktail of like, hey, today's been a great day. And that popped into my mind, and I decided that I was going to be like Mr. Wonderful and have a nice little, little bit of tequila at the end of the day. Harmless, right? Well, a few weeks later, I did the same thing. A few weeks later, I did the same thing. And a few weeks later, I did it, but a little earlier and a little bit more. And it gradually increased and became something where for pretty much all of 2022 and into the first part of 2023, I was drinking probably during the day one or two times a week, maybe starting 12 p.m. or at the end of the day, just really depended on what I felt like doing. And hiding this from my family, from my friends, from life group, like from everybody, um, because I saw it as like, I believe the lie that this is my problem. I'm in control of it. Like, I'm not out of control. I got this. Um, it's not affecting anybody else besides me. This is like what I need to do to be okay, to like do my business. And I believe those lies and ate it up. Around May of, of 2023, so this past year, I moved offices again. And still alone, still pretty stressful. I walked into like a very stressful time in my business where it was very like touch and go. And that occurred from May until about August of last year. Um, and, and during that time, kind of same, same cadence of probably once or twice a week, um, I was drinking and, you know, using Zen, just escaping however I could to get away from the stress. Um, but this stressful time ended in August. And in my mind, I was like, okay, Whenever the stressful period is over, I'm going to be able to work on myself. I'm going to have the time to be able to spend with Jesus, to like get it all figured out. So nobody has to know. I can do it. I can figure this out. But something weird happened after, after this stressful time in, in August ended. It like the opposite happened. I had less stress, but I had more time. And the same habits that I created during 
the times where I was stressed just like followed and the strength that I thought I would have to like say no and stop was not there. And so two to one to two times a week became pretty much every day. And the truth is I was drinking a bottle of wine before 12 p.m. most days and drinking more after that. I mean, I was, I was pretty convinced that I was going to die or get a DUI or get caught. And I really wasn't sure like which option was the worst for me. Like I was like, I, I truly don't know what would be worse for me. And I just believe this lie that like, I can't reach out for help. Like I have to hide this to protect or whatever. Like what are people gonna think of me if, like, if I expose this? And because I was just believing a ton of lies, like more and more were able to, to grow. Um, and this led to additional sins. I'm in my office all day drinking, you know, pretty early in the, early in the day and pornography became something that was, I was just susceptible to. I feel like the Lord gave me this vision of like, whenever I would drink, um, if my heart was this city with like high walls that would surround it, all of the watchmen on the towers, whenever I would drink, would just lay down and go to sleep. And that my, my heart was just open for siege of any, any desire, whether it be pornography or anything, was just, I was open season because I had no ability to resist um, any temptation. And so it was pretty bad, and I felt like I was in a really tough place, and I didn't know how to, um, how to get out of it. So what did I do? Um, well, I asked the Lord, which was a good start, quite a few times, and he said um, pretty consistently, like, truth. Like, tell the truth. The truth will set you free. And I was like, no, I get that, Lord, but like, let's think of another option I could do because I don't want to do that, and like, there has to be another way. <laughs> um, it turns out there's not, like... <laughs> Willpower goes not very far. Um, and so, like, the truth. Every time I'd pray, it was like, tell the truth, tell the truth. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't know how. I was avoiding it. That's why I'm here. Um, but so, I mean, about, this is still really, really fresh. Like, this is like 19 days ago where this all kind of came to light in my family and stuff. And so it's very painful still. Um, but yeah, so 19 days ago, my wife was like, hey, let's go through our finances and create a budget because we were spending a decent amount of money. And um, I had some transactions on my business card that I had no explanation for. And instead of sending her my login information so we could create a budget, like I, I went so far as I pulled out all the transactions into an Excel sheet, deleted out line by line the ones I didn't want her to see, and I was about to send it to her. And I just like looked up and I was like, man, I'm done. I cannot go. I can't do this. I, I cannot continue. And I like, this is not a hero story for Davis. I couldn't even talk to her. I couldn't even tell her with my words. I had to text her and say like, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> and because I couldn't bring myself to even utter the words that of the things that I had been doing by myself. And that was pretty hard. But it was the grace of God, I think, that we were going to go through our make a budget, and this had to come out. 
So I texted her, and then I, I drove home to talk with her, and we talked for a little bit. She wasn't, you know, a lot to take in, that basically you're, the person you're married to is being deceitful in so many different ways. So we, we stopped for a bit, and I went out to a park and was just by myself and talking with the Lord, and like for, for two hours I was just walking around, and I didn't feel anything. And I was confused because I was like, I really should feel something, but I was numb to all the lies, all the pain I'd caused, everything. I was just numb to it. And then Ryan, I, I, I called Ryan, and he, we talked, and then he prayed for me. And I became a unconsolable, I was weeping on a park. Like a lady walked past me, and I was just ugly white girl crying. I mean, <laughs> just weeping and... This, the Holy Spirit just fell, and I don't, like, how the Word says, like, where two or more gather, like, he's there. Like, I experienced that, and I was like, wow, okay, so that's true. I know that. Just unbelievable grace that the Lord has given me, totally undeserving. Um, and later that day, we got, after the kids had gone to sleep, we were talking again, and, um, you know, at that point, I, I had confessed to her that I was looking at pornography, too, which is extremely damaging, um, and so, but I told the truth. I was like, I might die. It felt like I was going to die internally. I thought I was going to die, but at least I was like, I'm going to die, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't die, but I was honest. And we did, we separated for a few days and, um, it was painful, but a, a really nice time to actually be able to feel and like recognize the pain that I'd caused. And I was, I the time that we were separated, I was actually able to feel the pain that I had caused because beforehand I'd felt nothing. I was just avoiding escaping to whatever I could just to, to get rid of these feelings of anxiety and stress. And, and I, I, there was never enough. There was always, I had to have more. So again, this is still very recent and um, we're still trying, I mean, we're under the same roof now and learning how to reconcile like what it looks like what's normal going forward and how to become a truthful person um but i think it's like confessing the truth is hard for a reason um the truth is never pretty and the more that you try to rationalize and justify what lies are the stronger they become from and from somebody who's told my fair share of lies and now being on the side of truth, like it's so worth it. I don't know what I was doing living in lie and like in this bondage for so long when I had all the tools available, like Jesus had given me all the tools available. All I had to do was step into it. Um, something that was cool was about, so all this came to light about 19 days ago, about two weeks before that we were in life group and we were doing a session where we were I don't remember exactly, but we were trying to visualize like what the Holy Spirit was saying to us. And I usually don't have any visions or like mental pictures or anything like that, but this time I did. And it was very interesting. And I probably wouldn't have shared it with the group if I had put two and two together, but I'm not that smart. So I had this vision. I was like standing in what is like a canyon or like the Grand Canyon. And I was looking up at this dam and I was... I was standing looking up and I saw like the word lies, lies written on the dam. And I just remember being like, I was in my vision. I was afraid of what was like about to come. 
and then I saw like the cracks in the dam and then this water just like rushed and like I thought I was gonna die and it hit me and as soon as it got to me I draw I went up to a third person above the canyon and I looked and saw the water rushing down the canyon and going into the, all the different caverns that are on the sides and like filling up the canyon completely full and what I took that to mean was like the Lord's love was behind um, this uh, the lies that I had been believing and as soon as those lies and the truth um, had been broken like his love just came rushing in and filled the canyon all the way up in my heart like all the different caverns that I was hiding from him the his truth and love just filled up so that was really special um, can I keep sharing is that okay oh man okay so take this with a grain of salt because like I I've learned some stuff because I've been through it and I've just experienced this. And I really think that the Holy Spirit like has a message for these people here on like how powerful the truth is. I like, I asked Jesus to take this from me. I was like, Jesus, take this away from me. And I think he could have done it. He could have done it. He could have just said, all right, you're going to be free from drinking. But I think he's more concerned with the kind of person that I'm becoming in my inner life than just like behavior change. And he wanted me to walk through the hard, like the, the difficulty of telling the truth of confession so that I could have full healing and not just behavior change. Um, I believe that we spend most of our time dealing in the realm of actions and behavior, but our actions and behavior stem from beliefs that we believe. Those beliefs stem from like core ideas in our deepest self that we believe, which are either truth or lies. So like, let me give you an example of mine. My action was drinking. Underneath that, my belief was I needed something to help me deal with these anxious feelings. The core idea, which can either be truth or lies, in my case was a lie. You can't trust God with these feelings. You must be in control to manage your stress I have to manage the, and control the outcome because if I don't, things will fall apart and when they do, I won't be okay. With hiding and lying, my belief was others won't love me if they know who I truly am. The core idea behind that was they only love you for what you can produce or achieve. They'll leave you if they know you're weak. You must be in control of your image and reputation for others to love you. You're not enough. And I was like, wow, I, I actually do, I believe that. I believe that lie for so long. Something I've learned by going through this is all of spiritual warfare can be boiled down to just truth versus lies. Like that's, that's all it is. The kingdom of God is truth and the kingdom of darkness is lies. I just realized like Satan does not even care about me. The only reason he's trying to hurt me is because he wants to hurt God. He hates God. Like, he doesn't even care about me. He just wants to hurt God by hurting me because God loves me so much. And it just really struck me. Everything is truth versus lies. Everything. And how often, how many lies am I believing? How many lies am I telling? Like, we have to, taking every thought captive and bringing truth into it, like identifying the lie and replacing with truth is spiritual warfare. And that is what produces like mature Christianity and, and, and mature relationship with Jesus. You know, my, what I, my hope for today and that like you hear this story 
is I'm just somebody that walked through basically failing over and over and over again for a very long time by trying to white knuckle my life and control it. And I felt like Jesus was always right in front of me and was just like, Davis, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? And you know how to be free. It's by confession, telling the truth. I knew it the entire time. I had the tools available to me to be free. I built a jail cell for myself, locked from the inside. And Jesus was just asking, like, do you want to be free? Like, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. I think we don't understand how important and how much power confession has of telling the truth, to be honest. Like the truth and lies are not equally powered. Truth has, can demolish any stronghold of lies. Like I'm a testament to it. I just, I, I knew all this stuff in my head. Like I followed Jesus my entire life. But you ha- like I had to give him access to these rooms that I was locking him out of. I had to tell the truth. I had to become, stop hiding and tell the truth. So my hope is like if somebody else is out there and they're hiding or they have some sort of sin that's a stronghold in their life, like whether it's a small lie or what you would consider a big lie, it's all the same. Like this all happened and started with me just by making an agreement when I was 16 that I wanted something to be there for me that was other than God. And the devil and Satan is patient. Like he was playing the long game with me. He's like, we're going to introduce this. We're going to let this soak for a while. And then, boom, we're just going to pull him deeper and deeper. And he did. And I played into it. But not anymore. So my prayer is just that, like, you'd hear my story as, as like, a cautionary tale and be like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to whether it's your, your, your wife or a, a brother or a sister. Like, get out of the lies and just tell the truth as early and as frequent as possible. Like our life group, what we're going to do going forward is every time we're meeting, we're just going to have a time of confession. We're just going to say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. These are the lies I think I'm believing, and we're going to confess it, and we're going to pray, and we're going to move on, and we're going to become more powerful for it. We can't be in lies anymore, man. I can't do it, so I'm going to walk in the truth. Thank you guys for listening and being so sweet to me. Glad to do Glad Come on. Thank you, dude. Davis, I'm going to ask you to, at the end, you, we're going we're gonna to pray for some people in the room, and I won't take long, but I, I will say I, what I believe is a lot of us have been in that seat with Davis, and some of us are sitting in this room, we're like, well, it's me and Davis in the room, you know what I mean? Like, me and him, and all these other people, they're not in that, but like I am, and me and Davis. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to do something Today might be the day, but we'll see. I, I still got some strength in me, you know? But I was just thinking about as he was talking, it's, I, I just pray that there's relief in the room because at the very beginning of our Bibles, it talks about a couple that tell their very same story, Adam and Eve. We were then born into Adam and Eve. Therefore, Davis's story is every single one of our story. You're not alone, Davis. In fact, if we're honest, every single one of us have the exact same story. We all have the same story. Whether or not some of us have made a better covering than the others. Or we've believed the truth 
and received the covering that is actually a covering. One of the guys that I believe longed to have this covering was a man named David. David was said to be a man after God's very own heart. And yet this man, David, saw a woman bathing in his middle years after he kind of got bored being king and he saw a woman as if the guy couldn't have had any other woman he wanted. And he saw another man's wife bathing on the roof and said, that's the lady that I, I, that would really help my life right now. Because everybody's gone, I'm alone. Uh, Everybody's at battle. I don't need to do battle because I got people to do battle for me. And so I just, you know, it's my time of rest. I'm getting older now and might as well enjoy the finer things of life. You know what I mean? Like, hey, David, the man after God's own heart. Do you know the story? He ends up sleeping with this lady and then doesn't just stop there. In fact, he has her husband murdered because he finds out this woman's pregnant. And this guy, the king, can't get found out. He had a lot to lose. We get it. David got it. He had so much to lose. He had to pretend more and more and more. The covering had to get bigger and bigger and bigger, more complex and more and more complex before it's too much for him to handle it. David doesn't actually come clean. God sends a prophet into his life to call it out. Oh, he's undone at this point. But one of the most fascinating things about David's life is when he finds that the punishment of his sin is that he's going to lose this child, this child is actually going to die, he goes into the temple, he tears his garments, and he sits in a heap of ashes, and he just weeps for the Lord. He says, please, 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 please. Until a servant comes in and says, David, the baby's passed. And you would think a man after God's own heart would need to stay there and sulk, but he stands up, He goes and washes himself clean, takes a bath, and then he goes in and worships the Lord. It's done. It's in the past. It's covered. I gave it to God. Now I trust him. It's all in his hands. So therefore, because he's good, I'll trust and I'll step into worship. It feels to me, guys, a lot of times, I want to live in the past mistakes and past problems of my life. And I don't feel right about moving past them. Shame feels better for me sometimes. Even when I've asked the Lord, I've confessed, I've done what the word says, I bring it to him, I've confessed. One of those things, the invitations that David said so profoundly, the key of the word. Some of us have confessed. I believe we've gotten past that point, confessed to God. But the scriptures say, confess your sin one to another, pray for one another, and the prayer of faith will heal you. Davis, he talked about actually experiencing a freedom, like a feeling all of a sudden. I was healed in a way that I couldn't understand, but it happened from a place of prayer. I want to invite you into that encounter of what the word invites us into. Maybe you've confessed and confessed and confessed, and you've told the Lord all these things, but if you're looking for like soul healing, the word indicates as far as the kingdom goes, I bring those things before the Lord. I have nothing to hide. In fact, I just reveal all of my nakedness and my shame and I go, here it is. I desire freedom and healing. And the prayer of of God's people where we steward heaven to earth, something mysterious honestly happens there.
I'm one of those that experienced the same thing, Davis. Told that story of confession, confessed to these guys about unforgiveness. Don't understand what it was, but all of a sudden when I began to confess this thing, I felt like I was going to vomit. It like came out of my stomach. It wasn't even in my mind. And as I spoke this out, man, I began to weep, but I experienced the freedom in that moment. It wasn't time. It was instant. And now, listen, my temptation to go back into that pain always is there. That's the invitation that calls me back. You should be angry. You should go back. No, I can't go back. I want to go back. This freedom I never experienced in unforgiveness. But as I was preparing this thought, I was thinking about what David was saying in Psalm 119. Because he brings us into a very key piece of information that I believe helps us move. Some of us want to move in 2024. We want to move forward. We want to move fast. We want to get some stuff done. I want to see new heights. I want to see new, new lands. I want to see God do incredible things. One of my several many hobbies is I bought a mountain bike because I thought I would be a, an avid mountain biker and a farmer and a dirt biker and a name an artist. I don't know. Just picked it up. Until I went, by the way, and mountain biking is a lot harder than it looks, right? Have you ever tried to jump with a mountain bike? That's daggum hard. I did it when I was 12, and I thought, you know, how hard could it be? No, no, I'm old, and those seats are small, you know? Daggum. But as I was thinking about this, I like, when I prepared this, I started thinking about like this wheel, and it feels a lot like, like this is what gets us moving. And we focus on how to get moving and like a lot of us, like we think about like, man, if I could get the tread right, but if you build this wheel from the outside in, a wheel wouldn't work. You've got to go from the very smallest contraption about this wheel. And the mountain bike wheel is like fascinating, but like there's this little thing and it unscrews like right here. And I want to show this to you so many of you will never mountain bike after this because it's absolutely horrifying. Look at this. This little piece comes out and there's this like tiny little pin. You're trusting this little pin when you ride your mountain bike. This pin is the key to you moving. Have you seen those videos? They are flying down that mountain. This pin is all it takes for that to go sideways real quick. But this pin is specifically designed to help you move down that mountain. This is crucial. This is the only way. And without this little pit, that bike don't move at all. When we think about movement, we got to think about the most crucial point first. I want to share with you the most crucial point that I believe David, Dave, David, King David, not Davis and Davis figured out, but King David figured out. And I want to invite us into it to start moving in 2024. This piece. And I found this in my personal life. Listen. I've tried a lot of things to conjure and experience the presence of God. It's this thing. It's this thing. I have sought experiences. I've sought fires. I've sought whatever. I've sought it all. It's this thing. David figured it out too. It's in Psalm 119, 55 and 56. He says, listen, I reflect at night. How many of you are reflecting at night? It's very important what you reflect upon. Because what you reflect upon, Davis said it, 
you will act upon. Listen, what you reflect upon, you will eventually act upon. He preached already. I reflect at night on what? Who you are. Listen, stay there. Read it slow. At night, I reflect on who you are. What have you been reflecting on tonight? On who you, who is he? Do you see him clear? It's the truth we believe. And what I reflect upon, oh Lord, therefore, very important word, therefore, I obey your instruction. But it's all from the place of reflecting, looking deep into the mirror of God's face and seeing the real truth. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. If you desire life, you must reflect upon the truth and the truth is a person. His name is Jesus. My prayer for us today was that we would enter in and we would look face to face with the one who has not forsaken us, but in fact, the one who forsook perfectly all sin and yet on the cross looked up and said, why have you forsaken me? The only one in history to not forsake you, God. I didn't choose the fig leaf covering. I did it. You're forsaking me. But even so, I trust you. In fact, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. Now listen, listen, listen. Reflect right now on who he is then. If Jesus is the truth, and every single one of us has Davis's story, there's not one of us who's absent of that story. Reflect on the reality that all of us stand absolutely covered up today or in need of covering. We've all at some point forsaken God's glorious standard. And yet here's the kicker, here's the key. That God, instead of choosing to forsake you and I, chose to forsake himself, his son Jesus on a cross so that you and I would no longer have the moment or chance to be forsaken. And if you feel forsaken, I want you to reflect on the truth right now. I want you to reflect on who he is because he did not forsake you. He loved you enough to die for you. And inside of this, the scripture tells us that all the keys of wisdom and knowledge are in this truth. Some of you seek higher things. This is the high thing. Let it become the main thing and he will take you to heights you would never find. Some of you are seeking meditations in ways and you're looking for the heights of spirituality. I'm telling you, this is the crux. This is the center. Do you desire? I'm giving you the door. Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the way. You want to go to the heavenly realms? He wants to take you there. But many of us seek places that we have no ideas and he has the great wisdom. He wants to take you further than you ever decided to go yourself. Listen, he wants to take you higher. It's the truth. 
so. I wanna invite us into a time of reflection right now, right where you are. I wanna practice the truth and I believe he's gonna, uh, I believe there's gonna be some move in the room today just because we reflect on the truth. The truth always sets free. So right where you are, I want you to leave that verse up there, Kenny. I just want us to think about this. It's nighttime, so it's perfect. Let's reflect on who he is. Would you allow me to pray for you as you continue to reflect? Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, who covers me and makes me right to step in. I step in boldly, confidently, knowing that you have covered me. I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for all of us in this room, Lord, that we would reflect, that we would peer in. God, would you give us clarity to see you now? Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you comfort those in the room needing comfort? Would you remind us, Lord? Lord, I pray for fresh visions in this room. I pray that we would peer in and see your face. Jesus, we want to see your face. We know that if we could see you, if we see you clear, Lord, it would be transformative. Therefore, we would move and obey. We would move in a different way, but we must have an experience with you. We must see you. Cause eyes to see, hearts to receive, and ears to hear in Jesus' name. Let's reflect for a moment. Let's just have a time of reflection.